How many have learned some things this last few weeks? Challenged a little bit? I've been challenged. I'm definitely thinking more about what I say, how I say it. And uh, one of the things, uh, my son, where's my son Johnny? Is he back in here? Um, he'll be back here soon. But he and I have a problem with our mouths in that when we get excited, we get louder and louder. And so <clears throat> it's kind of a thing that happens. Steve is always going, shh, 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 shh. And uh, I, told, I said in the first service that actually, since I have all of you as a witness, I hate that. When he goes, shh, how many wives like to be shushed? <laughs> Nobody wants to admit it. But anyway, we do get loud. And so Johnny and I have had our, sh- our share of being shushed. But um, I have a really good girlfriend who's also part Italian like me. And when we get together, the same thing happens. Her name is Joanne, and her husband's Canadian. And so we get talking, and we get louder and louder, and we'll be in restaurants. And both of our husbands get very quiet, look at us, and go, shh. And uh, so um, in, 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 a, in a tent, when you're in a tent talking, you actually do have to be quiet. Uh, we're going to look in a minute at what is actually tent talk, if you want to pop that slide up. But one of the things that the tent talk actually is, is talking in a tent. And if you're talking in a tent, you need to be quiet, because why? The walls are kind of thin, and people could hear what you say. And if it's not a great thing, you don't want them to hear. But you know, in our home and in our lives, the walls of the people that we love can be thin too, and we have to be careful the things that we say so they don't penetrate in a negative way. How, how many believe that? Yeah. Well, tent talk is really just the things that you say behind closed doors uh, that you think you're safe. How many have said things behind closed doors that you don't want anybody else to hear, but you think, okay, it's safe here, and that's okay. There's some things that are important to do that way. Otherwise, it's also just the regular talk. Um, I like to use the word, I don't know if I learned it in Ireland, but the banter, just the talk, good and bad, that you have back and forth. That's also your tent talk, just the regular conversations you have. But, you know, our tent talks really affect our life. And um, we're going to look at a verse in a minute because in, how many remember the story of Israel that they were in Egypt and they ended up uh, being slaves for about 400 years, if you know the story. And then God in a miraculous way sends Moses and he goes and just through a miraculous series of events, they are, there are some plagues and Egypt just sends them out. They get sent out of Egypt. They, they basically take all the, a lot of the wealth of Egypt with them. They go to a Red Sea. God opens the Red Sea, takes them through a Red Sea. They're in the wilderness. They need water. Uh, Moses uh, strikes a rock. Water comes out. They have perpetual water. Bread falls from the sky, manna. They have everything to eat, everything taken care of. You would think they would be pretty happy people. And then God takes them to the end of the promised land, getting ready to take him in. Twelve spies go in, and if you know the story, the twelve spies come back, all talking about a great land, but ten came back with a negative report, and two came back with a positive report, Joshua and Caleb. Listen to what Israel's tent talk was after this happened. They picked some of its fruit and brought it back to us. And they reported, the land the Lord our God has given us is indeed a good land. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. This is Moses reminding them of what they did. You complained in your tents and said, the Lord must hate us. This is the same God that just led them out of Egypt, performed incredible miracles, walked them through the Red Sea, and yet they're saying, you must hate us. That's why he has brought us here from Egypt, to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Whoa. Their tent talk was negative. Their tent talk was rebellious. Their tent talk was complaining. Their tent talk was dishonest, because did God hate them? No. 
And it was actually, sadly, very debilitating because all of those people that were so negative in their tents died in the wilderness and never entered the promised land. And their children, I believe, had to be kind of tutored in a new kind of talk by Joshua and Caleb. Their children were the ones that raised up, that were raised up and went in with Joshua and Caleb and took the land. How we talk in our tent, in our home, in our private conversations does have a really serious effect on our life. In fact, <clears throat> how you talk in your tent can actually determine whether you inherit the promises that God has for you or not. That's pretty sobering, isn't it? To think that our conversation, how we speak, can have that much effect. It was interesting. I, I looked over at Pastor Stephen said, the tent talk in here today is great. Isn't that awesome, just that worship today, that spirit of faith? That's what God wants us to have. I, while we were on vacation um, last week, we spent half the time <clears throat> working. I spoke at a ladies' retreat. Pastor Steve spoke at a church. And then we got to spend four days in Palm Springs. Don't hate us. It was wonderful. But while I was there uh, relaxing, I watched a little bit of the movie The Darkest Hour, if you've watched that, about Winston Churchill. And I was thinking that his words literally changed what happened in that nation. I mean, you, I had not realized just literally how much up against a Red Sea all of, all of um, Europe was with Hitler. And yet there was something in Winston that kept speaking. And there's a wonderful scene in the movie where he goes to the people in the subway because the king actually went to him and said, go talk to the people. And he went in a subway and they're all like, oh, it's Winston Churchill. And he starts asking them questions. Would you like us to, to go for peace? What would you? They were all, they were, they were encouraged. They said, we're going to win. There was something because he had put so much faith in them that it literally turned their hearts. And so it encouraged him and he went back and the rest is history. Because the tent talk was powerful. I believe that God raises you know, prophets up to speak good, good conversation to start up. But I believe more than that, he's raised you and I up to speak in our own homes, to speak to our families, and to speak to one another in such a way that it encourages us to do the things that God has asked us to do and to have a great life. That's awesome. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And uh, it's pretty powerful. <clears throat> when Steve and I were talking about this um, as we were driving in the car, we were kind of going back over the notes, and he shared something that I wanted to share with you because he talked about kind of, um, and we're going to talk in a minute about some of the more specific parts of Tent Talk, but he talked about an attitude that um, you need to have that really kind of describes what Tent Talk is supposed to be, and so could you share that with us, kind of that coaching to win kind of spirit? I'd love to. Could you go back and give Joshua's Talk? You want ja Okay. Yeah. I, I was going to do it later, but I'll do it now. Okay. You're fine. Let me do it later? Now? We're having tent talk. I'll do it now. Joshua. I read the negative report, but Joshua had a great report. And if you remember reading it, it was in a different season of his life. But in Joshua 24, it's the famous passage where he says, um, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell? But as for me and my family... We will serve the Lord. That's good tent talk. And that's how Joshua was. That's how Caleb was. And that's why they were able to go in and lead the land, lead the people into the land. They had that kind of winning spirit. You know, as we were uh, doing the first service, something uh, dawned in my mind that Joshua was from uh, uh, Ephraim and Caleb was from Judah. Those two tribes became the most vigorous and influential in all of Israel. Wow. 
So there's something about the people that bring a consistent good report. Good. It tends to affect those around you into a success profile. Wow. So that's awesome. yeah, that was just a that's a that's freebie. Powerful. It wasn't in our notes. Um, <clears throat> last night I was uh, we were driving back from uh, Palm Springs. Uh, we got up at six in the morning. We got up earlier than six, but we were on the road at six, and we got in a little after six. So we were rocking and rolling, uh, road rally. And I was listening to the Oregon Ducks game on, on the radio, and it was almost like a terrible thing to do. Uh, we were just getting whooped, 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 whooped. And then when I got home, I was able to watch the second half on, on uh, the screen, and uh, we looked like a completely different team, and we ultimately lost the game, but we just about pulled it out. And I know that the coaching staff are going to go back in and they are not going to destroy their team. They are going to help them to see that even through the loss that we will put a better product out on the field. That's called coaching for the win. You know, a lot of people get concerned about different coaches like uh, Bill Belichick from the Patriots. Uh, but there's a reason that certain franchises win, win, win like the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, like the New England Patriots in football. And that is because there's a, there's a coaching for the win attitude that goes on all of the time. And so to describe what it means to coach for the win, and I'm going to take it into the, uh, the world's most important game to be played. And that, that daily game is you and your family uh, working together. And you're either going to bleed victory into the heart and soul of those around you, or you're going to bleed doubt right. and self-rejection. Yeah, that's true. And, and so to, to raise up uh, winners around you, you've got to keep your mind in the positive. And, and this is what I've learned along the way, uh, that God always is a, is a, is a builder. Yeah. He's a restorer. He, he wins everything he sets out to, out, out to do. He will have a full banquet table at the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's not going to be one chair empty. He's going to have a, a nation of holy people. He's going to have a, a royal priesthood. He is going to turn what we're fighting to save, which is the earth. This is a toilet bowl compared to what we're going to walk on. Okay. He's going to melt it down with a fervent heat. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And, and everybody is going to be drawn, that, that, that survives all that cut, are going to be in the absolute pleasures forevermore in the presence of God. But yet it seems like Christians don't always win. It seems like uh, that, that it doesn't seem like God's getting his way. You may not know this, but the whole earth is being hit with revival. Um, ever since the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the first century and then the reflaming of that fire in the early part of the last century, uh, the, 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 the world's churches are 98% Pentecostal, speaking in tongues, moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. And there are whole nations that are being rocked and whole continents being rocked, fulfilling what the Lord said. He said that, that the knowledge of the glory of God is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Now, what happens is if you live in America, you can sometimes think, oh, everything's worse and getting worse. It's just getting worse than worse. It's just, it just it's, you know, one guy told me in the story, he said, it's all over. All I can hope for is the rapture. 
Well, see, I want to go up in the rapture, okay? How many of you say, if the Lord comes, I want to go today? But I also like the fact that he tends to get his word, and he said he's going to have a glorious church. He said that he's going to reap the harvest from every kindred, tribe, and tongue. I think there's still work that's going to happen, and God keeps a good attitude through it. Right. I know that you're bitter Christians and you think God's been picking on you, therefore you can pick on everybody else. But no, if you actually get into really reading God, he's pretty optimistic. Yeah. He is, that's right. And, and that's why that he's called the God of all hope. And the comforter is the encourager or the paraclete. He's alongside of us. Now, if you take that into your home, then I know one thing, that that there were times when Kim and I were raising our kids, there was more month at the end of our money. How many of you have ever had that phenomenon happen to you? There was more month at the end of your money. You know, the ideal is there's more money at the end of your month. Your budget isn't fully tapped. But there are times that you go through, raising young kids, that, man, the beans need to, need to have a cell phone to communicate with each other in the pot of soup. How many of you have ever had it to where you, you, you fed what you could afford rather than what you wanted? Then you find out later that was actually the health food you should be eating all the time. <laughs> Go back to beans and rice, you'll be healthier. But, but what happens is that there are some people who they, they embark on life's journey and they go, honey, time's on our side. We can't, we can't lose for winning. That's right. There's a win in this. That's right. You know, you get laid off from your job, and all of a sudden you're going, man, that was the trade I wanted to be in. And so you think, okay, my life is ruined. It's not ruined. It's altered because the steps of a good man are ordered to the Lord, and he delights in his way. And so what happens is coaching for the win is putting inside of everybody in your your, uh, micro world positiveness. That, that we're not going to sit in here at, at uh, Das Schmelzer House and we're going to ever give victory to the devil. No. We, 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 we just can't get there from here, kids. We can get anywhere we need to go That's when right. God is for us. And so that needs to be bled in. And, and, and there needs to be a time for crying. A family called me to what looked like the, the death of a dear friend. And, and, and the kid said, we need, we need just Uncle Steve come help us to talk. And we got together in the, in the side room at Ashland Hospital and we had to cry together. We needed to cry. And we needed honesty. And we needed everybody to share what they were feeling. And then God raised up my, my friend Debbie and she's off and running again. But how many of you know that sometimes you need a family cry? And, and guys, we need to just drop the macho facade. Sometimes it's okay to be tender. Sometimes it's okay to have your kids tell you, hey, Dad, you've been really chipping on Mom. You're the Jonah in the boat right now. That's good tent talk. That's right. And you know what's also a good reply to that kind of good tent talk? You're right, honey. And I'm going to change. But anyway, so that's what it is. It's, it's realizing tomorrow we get up. The Oregon Ducks didn't, didn't throw away their uniforms last night. They got on their plane or bus, and they would go back to Eugene, and they're going to go back to work. Wazoo's got a great season going. Congratulations, Wazoo. 
Washington State University. And the same thing happens in your life and my life. When you get punched flat in the nose, I know one thing. You need me to encourage you. You need others to encourage you. That's because right. you've got to get up tomorrow and face it again. And, and, and I think every one of our families, we deserve to have healthy coaching in our house. That's right. Dad, mom, whoever gets it first, start doing this. Right. And invite everybody into it because that's where real health yeah. and nurturing and healing can happen in the home. That's so awesome. It's really, you know, doesn't that sound encouraging? You know, at the end of the message, we all have to do an inventory. I, I love organization. I like cleaning drawers. I like cleaning closets. I like organizing. And, you know, we have to do that in our family. We have to kind of go through, and we're going to look at some scriptures in a minute, and kind of four, I love acrostics, so we're going to look at some practical elements of good tent talk. But each of us has to evaluate and go, is this good kind of conversation happening in my home. We're going to go through a list that we have to go through and go, is anger here? Is clamor here? What is here? And how do I make that change? So looking at tent, there's four, uh, four <coughs> things that we have. One, uh, that are crucial things that you need to have in tent talk. And the first is, with the T, is truthful or are you going to tell lies? Are you going to speak the truth in love? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says it this way. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. That is powerful. We're speaking the truth, and what's the result? We grow. You know, when there's good conversation happening and good truth, what's going to happen? There's going to be growth, growth in your family, growth in your communication skills, growth in your ability to win the battles that, that come at you, like Steve was talking about. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to speak the truth. It's that other two words. In love. We're going to look in a little bit at the next passage that one of the things that God wants to have happen from our conversation is that it literally will impart grace. It will impart the power for that person to be able to make the changes or do the things that God has asked them to do. And that comes when we're willing to have this kind of honest conversation. The E is encouraging or discouraging. I love this passage and the next one in Ephesians 4.29, and we're actually going to read it uh, twice to look at different parts, but it says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You know, this doesn't just mean nice words because the word encouragement means to put courage in someone. Sometimes the best words you can speak, the most encouraging words, are words that will put courage in someone. And sometimes that's a challenge. Sometimes it's telling somebody, come on, you can do this. Get up. Go for it. You know, sometimes it's just saying, you know, you fell down, you blew it, but we, we can get there from here. But our words are meant to put courage and to put life. This next scripture in Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That is awesome, and that is the fright most frightening thing on earth. That our words have power. Literally think about it. A whole nation died in the wilderness because of their speech. Because they basically talked themselves into what? They talked themselves into quitting. They talked themselves into lies. They talked themselves into a negative place. And that's why it's so important that you and I use our words to bring life. The N is for necessary or convenient. You know, sometimes we just want to keep, you know, we want to just not make waves. Did you know that silence speaks louder than many words? 
You know, I'm a super verbal person, so I can get in trouble with my words. But some people, maybe that's you in here, and you're kind of silent. And so you just don't. You think, well, I didn't say anything. Your face sure did. Your silence sure did. When you could have spoken words of life, you just didn't say anything. Our words, we're given them to use. In this passage, again, it says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. And I love this next part, that it may impart grace to the hearers. When you speak what's necessary, when you speak the words that God wants you to speak in your home and your tent talk is powerful, what happens? It imparts grace. It imparts grace. There's been times where Steve and I have had conversations where literally I was, I, I was discouraged or I, I was locked up in something. Have you ever gotten locked up? Where you just don't know how to get from point A to point B. You're discouraged or you're hurt or you're full of one of the things we're going to look at in a minute. And his words many times have been a key that just unlocked. All of a sudden, there's, oh, there's grace. I can get out of this situation. I can go forward. It says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And here's that inventory I was talking about that we have to do. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor. That's just, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, our family goes, rrr, rrr, we do this little tooth thing. All clamor. I can't do it. There, perfect. Clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. I have to do that inventory. Just like I clean my closet, I have to check my, my, my word closet. Is there bitterness? You know, sometimes if you haven't dealt with something, did you know that all of, you, all of your conversation, it just gets that little tainting of, or bitterness, or, you know, Mara and the Bible, all the days of my life, or it's just been, it's just horrible. You know, you have to make sure our kids don't need to be touched with, with bitterness. How about the next one with, with wrath and <clears throat> anger? Looking at it, it uh, there's, in English, you could add, that the way that you get rid of these, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with malice. In other words, if you want to be malicious, kick these guys out of your house. <laughs> and so, so that may be just a little, a little uh, play in English that I'm using here, but I've read it from the, the uh, old King James for years, and I thought that put all these away with all malice. And I'm thinking, you know, if you need to be malicious on something, be malicious on bad communications and spirits, you know. Yeah, no, that's good. If you're going to use your anger, use it there to kick that stuff out. And I think for all of us, you know, like, like Steve said, we get road rash. Life happens. I've had seasons where what was in me, the, the good treasure out of the, the man, the Bible says the good treasure out of, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. There have been times where the treasure inside of me wasn't that great. Because I was dealing with bitterness, or I was dealing with unforgiveness, or I was hurt, I was wounded, and out was coming my responses. And so we have to check that because that affects the way we converse, and that will affect your generations. I don't know exactly what got into the ten spies and all of you know fear. I mean, who, who knows? Maybe they had a you know an inferior, inferior insecurity. I don't know, but I do know the results. It cost them their 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 inheritance, and you and I can't play around with this. This is life and death in these things. The next T I love, and that's timely. Timely or timid. I love this verse in Proverbs. Timely advice is lovely, like golden apples in a silver basket. Timely advice, timely words. You know, sometimes 
sometimes the best thing to do is just to sit down and go, we're, we just need to laugh. We just need to watch a funny movie and just, sometimes it's time for one of those heart-to-heart -heart conversations. You know, timely. Last night, we'd been gone, and Johnny came in our room and was talking, and Steve had done most of the driving. He fell asleep, which happens a lot because the kids like late-night conversations. Steve falls asleep, and I, I stay awake. But Johnny was talking just about miracles, and, just, and we just had this. It was a timely conversation for me, just reminding me of, of God's power. You know, sometimes you don't, you don't understand the power that your words will have. And I just want to encourage you. Do that inventory. Are you speaking the truth in love? Are you encouraging each other? Are you willing to take a risk and, and put courage? Are you, are you doing the necessary words that need to be spoken? And are you, are you speaking the timely words that God has for you to speak? I want to read a passage of scripture with you. Um, and it's in Proverbs 18.20. It says, wise words satisfy like a good meal, the right words bring satisfaction. You know, we have something most Tuesday nights called our family dinner and family table. And, you know, we actually constructed a whole class around that concept because there's just words that happen around the table. Sometimes it's just fun and laugh and jokes and, you know, funny stories. Sometimes we have serious conversations. We've had fights around the family table. We've had, when I say fights, I mean conversations that got heated Usually when we're talking one or the other off the, off the stupid train or whatever, you know. And, you know, as our kids have grown up, you know, when, we were, when they were young, we got to be the ones that did most of the correction. Now what happens is if you train your children later on, they'll go, Mom, Dad, you're not talking the best right now or you're not thinking the best. But we value that because why? Because that we understand that that tent talk is life. You know, my prayer for you, and we're, we're just about finished with the message, and we're going to have some prayer together. But I know for Steve and I, our prayer for you, our prayer for us, is that we'll use our big, fat mouth the way that God intended it to be used for health and for life. You know, there's, there's a word in Ireland they have called crack. It's not the drug. It's spelled C-R-A-I-C. And it, basically what it is, it's like banter. It's just, we're going to come on over, we're going to have some crack. You know, and it's just, we're going to laugh, we're going to talk, we're going to just have a good time. Did you know there's health in that? When's the last time you just popped a bucket of popcorn and just sat and just talked or watched a movie or played a game? When's the last time you looked into the eyes of your children or your spouse and recognized that there was some pain there or there was something going on and you said, let's, let's talk? You pulled a little bit. You spent, you know, you stayed up later than, you know, I will tell you this about kids specifically teenagers, most good conversations happen post 10 o'clock at night. So sometimes you just got to go, I'll sleep later. Because when they open up, it's time to listen and to hear and to let their words speak and then say, okay, God, what do I, what do I say? Because God wants our tent talk to be full of life. The Israelites complained in their tents and began to speak lies about God. Joshua declared that his house would be different Joshua, with his words, declared what the world inside his four walls would look like. And as we close today, I want to tell you, you get to make a decision. I get to make a decision what the world inside my four walls is going to be like. The four walls of my mind, my self-talk, the four walls of my home, my car, wherever I'm talking, and how that's going to affect the world. And I just encourage you, you know, do that inventory. I wrote down just three things 
Ask yourself this question, what's going to be the language of my home? You know, maybe right now you're going, ah, I feel convicted. It's, you can always start today. You can start fresh. Maybe you're going, got this pretty good. Then keep at it. Don't quit. Is my, is my home full of life or death? Am I speaking the truth or am I speaking lies? Is it full of encouragement or discouragement? Do I speak timely words or am I too timid to say what needs to be said? Don't let John Mayer the only, be the person that has the song, say what you need to say. Let's, let's do that. Let's live that way. We must set the culture of how we will speak in our tents. Your kids, your marriage, your coworkers, your small group. In fact, your whole destiny will be affected by your tent talk. Hey Amen. Can we stand together? Okay, before you stand, boop, back down. I am. You can be seated. Don't forget your time. Yeah, okay. That was tent talk. I got, I got. Just proof of, that was truth, timely spoken, not encouraging, but. I felt encouraged by that. Encouraged to get up and say what I need to say, right? (laughs) I took a little bit extra time when we were talking about the coaching for the win. And um, in the previous service, I, I talked about manipulation, verbal manipulation. Um, people will train each other with hot buttons. And, and you will not have a real healing environment in your marriage, in your family, if you have a lot of hot buttons. Don't you dare touch that. Don't talk about that. If you really love each other, there's got to come a time where everything can be handled. Um, you know, yeah. let's say that there's an affair in your, in your marriage and, you know, I said I was sorry, I never want to talk about it again. Okay. That marriage will never be whole. Because sometimes people need to obsess till they're done obsessing. And, and no one knows exactly what it's going to take for someone else to really, really move on. And uh, Kim and some of the people around me, they, they wonder why I, with, with really folks that are healthy, I might be a little short with you. Like, you know what to do, just go do it. And with people that really struggle with mental illness, I'll, I'll take a whole day with them. And it's because I really care that they get it. Because I fear what it'd be like to be all alone and isolated and you can't talk and you can't be reached and everybody just cuts you off. Yeah. Well, what we do, we, we, we train our kids and we train our wife and we train our husband. Like, I'm, I'm gonna go nuts if you touch that. And, and I know the Holy Spirit prompted me to say it then, this morning, and it's today. That's because that's a demonic spirit that you're given energy to. Wow. You know, did, did, did you get really married to really be married, or is it just a refined form of prostitution? You're selling yourself for certain trade goods. But when Kim and I got married, we got married to honor our father and we got married so that we would be a healing agent. And, and that's why our tent talk is good because we, we, we really take the time 
to go and erase hot button issues. I don't talk about painting over them, I'm talking about speaking into them, resolving them. That's really good. So this is probably worth your entry fee for the service today. And, and, and Kim did a, a great job in all the things that she shared. But anyway, so now we can finish up. Does anybody um, know what I'm talking about when I talk about how we, learn, we train each other? Yeah. One last thing, parents. So many of you are so worked by your kids, you're just laughable. Because they just pull a stunt and you buy into it. I'm not going back. That guy's just, he's meddling. Yeah, I know, I am. Because raising good kids is a huge obsession for me. Yes. And you can't let, let little kids from three years old control the house. You've got to control the dialogue. You've got to, you know, That's no, right. you're not going to run in your room and pout. No, you're not going to get a timeout. No. And so you, to really help them grow, you've got to say, sit down until we talk this out. Sit down until we can leave here. And, and another thing is, I always welcome my kids ask me why. Some of you, well, because I told you. You miss a training opportunity. And my kids, if there was something that I didn't want them to do and they'd ask me why, I'd say, good. Because I'm going to change my calendar. I'm going to talk all day till we get that so we don't have to go over it all the time. Take those times. Communication is a key. That's how you keep so your good. tent talk healthy. Let's stand up. And uh, did I do okay, honey? You're not you taking good. too long? You did good. Okay. Yeah. We've been married so long, we're always adjusting each other along the way, you know. Her more than me, but we really do. It's fun. How many of you think of, that marriage should get better with time? And you just, good marriage is like a great set of cowboy boots. The longer you wear them, the more they break in. That's right. And they feel good. Yeah. That, and I would that, just say, that really sells in Texas, not yeah. in Oregon, though. Okay. <laughs> and I would just say with that, as we get ready for the altar call, take the risk. You know, the things that Pastor Steve just shared with you are scary. Getting rid of those buttons, having those honest conversations. But they're so worthwhile because you never forget how, what you, it matters. It changes destiny. It literally, your tent talk will set and change the trajectory of your family, your life. That's, that's, that's tough stuff. So it's willing. I, I can tell you that there were times that Steve, I was having a really rough time processing. He, with our, it worked out for, with our job. Sometimes he would come home and he would just spend the whole day and we would talk something through five, six, eight, ten hours until we processed it. We, we, we walked it, we talked it until we could go. We're back on the same page. We're sitting at the table together. Let's play now. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's it's powerful. It's hard to break up a couple like that. When you guys get on the same page and it's like, we prayed it through, we've cried it through, we've analyzed it through, and now it's just game time. Yeah. And we're... Now we're going to win. You know, Let's now go win together. This is just where we go. You know. Yeah. Anyway, um, week after week, people come into the house of the Lord with a sense that something's wrong. If, if you lived today and, and, and you didn't look around in society and say something's wrong... I would really say, man, you need help. There's obviously a lot of things wrong in our world today. There's violence, there's craziness, there's all kinds of just addictions, obsessions, 
oppressions. And I think that one of the tools that God uses to bring, bring us to him is that sense of like, that sense of impending doom. The Bible teaches that there is an impending doom. And that's why the f- most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish or not face impending doom, but have everlasting life. I want to just say this, that if you came here today, and so many do, week after week, they come in and they go, man, it's like I'm in an alien place. I feel like an alien spirit. It's a good one. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's called Father. And there's that sense, there's something wrong with me. Don't hide from that tent talk. Face it. And say, should I feel good about my life? If I'm living outside of the forgiveness of God, something inside of every human says we were born for another family. And that's the family of God. I love my family. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my family. But there's also the family of God. And I don't know how I could ever live not being a part of that as well. Not knowing that my Father in heaven has given me forgiveness, has made me his own. So week after week, people come here, whether it's in the Sunday service or the small groups or uh, youth group. And weekly, people come to Jesus. How do you do that? Well, first of all, you can't just try to figure you're going to fluff the pillows. Well, I'm not that bad. I haven't killed nobody yet. Do we have to wait for that? The Bible said that the first sin we ever did, we died spiritually. And that we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sins. But God has already sent Jesus to pay in full for all of our sins. So that what what do we do? Well, I want to really impress God. Uh Uh-oh, wrong start. God will beat you at every race. You'll never impress him with what you can do. He's impressed by those that believe and, and welcome him into themselves so God can live through you. So we're here to offer you a new life, not a new makeover. We believe that man is dead in his trespasses and we've got to just say, Lord, it's me. I can't deny it. I've sinned one or more times or I've sinned multiple times per day. Lord, I'm a wretch. I'm a drunk. I'm a druggie. I'm a hustler. Whatever. I'm Jacob. I'm heel catcher. But I need you, God. The Bible said that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a calling. It's a believing thing. It's in your heart knowing he's out there. God is out there. He's here. We feel him. And we know he's here. And it's saying, Lord, I can't defend what I've done. I need to be a new person. And that's what baptism is, is we are buried. The old Steve Schmelzer was worthy to be dead. And I'm glad that many came to my wake and they celebrated when the new guy got to come out of the water. And we're happy to see you die to your flesh. We're happy to see you surrender to Jesus and come out as the new person. Not a patch, not a makeover, but it takes faith. And it's just simply to say, Lord, it's you I put my trust in. Lord, take away my sins. Make me new on the inside. So right now, I'd like everyone to close your eyes and and bow your head if you would. And 
I would like you to raise your hand if you're here today and, and two kinds of people. Maybe you're someone that you've had a realm of relationship with God, but you really feel, you know, I really, really wandered. Man, I'm hardly sure where the trail even is. I've been so go gone and messed up. But I think the Lord still loves me and I feel his love, but I want to draw closer to God. If that's you, feel free to raise your hand. I see these hands. Then the second category is someone to say, hey, um, I don't know if I've ever known God, but I want to know him. I don't want like a plastic make-believe make thing. I want something that's real. And I want to be saved. I want Jesus to make me a brand new person. And I'm going to put my trust in God. If you're here today and you'd like to join God, you'd like to put your trust in the Lord, get, get your hands up. I want to just, just see, see, I see hands here. See hands here. Hands here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I see three, four, five people right now. I'm probably missing some of you. What we're going to do is we're going to pray right now. Because, see, even if you're walking with God, there's not a believer that I know that doesn't like inviting Jesus in time after time because it's a daily walk with him. Just pray this prayer with me. And then afterward, uh, Allie's going to let you know how to get connected so we can follow up with you. We really want to help you get plugged in and grow in your spiritual walk. Pray this with me, would you? Dear Father, I thank you for your overwhelming kindness. You could have left this all just in the mess that we were in. But while we were still your enemies, Jesus died for us to take away sin. And it requires that I call on you for that payment to be applied to my account. I'm here today, Father, seriously to do business. I need my sins forgiven. I need a brand new life. You said if I would call on your name, I would be saved. I call on your name, Father. You also said that if I would call on your name, I would not be ashamed. Take away the shame. I've done what I've done. And I've sinned against you, God. And I've sinned against heaven. And I don't blame others. I've only myself to blame. I need a brand new life. You're giving me that new life. If you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. I receive you today, dear Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.